Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira, and it is uh, almost the end of the year, December 2021. And uh, I'm excited for a lot of different reasons. You know, the podcast has been growing. I hear from the listeners every day that the stories and the guests that I'm bringing on the podcast is helping them uh, work through through their own business. And so looking forward to 2022, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at looking back, reflecting on some of the guests that we've had on this show and, and how they've added value to the community and to all of us, to myself as well. And that that is definitely one of those unintended um, uh, benefits of doing this podcast that I have found in the past year is that as I have these guests come on, some are friends, some are colleagues, other are it, it, people who I've been introduced to. I, I, I've grown, I've grown. And one of those people, I've got him on the podcast today. I'm working with Ian McAvey, uh, on his business, wash Kims. It's based here in South Florida, but he's selling his product all around the U S Canada, Mexico, and, and going global. And it's such an inspiring story because it, it, it Ian's, uh, success with wash gems. And he'll tell you what wash gems is. So I'm not going to steal the show here, but it, he's done all the right things. And just so you know, Ian and I met in class at the Florida Atlantic university when Ian was uh, doing his MBA. So Ian, without further ado, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Alex. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us the story where, what, like, how, how did you how did you start wash cams? What were you doing before wash cams that, that 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 kind of brought you to this industry? The story goes uh, all the way back. Uh, I mean, working in corporate, I worked in uh, telecom for almost 14 years, um, pretty much got to the level that um, kind of like, you know, I, I started to feel that I'm not developing myself anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I had the great opportunity. One of my friends, uh, I went to college with, um, he reached out to me asking me if I would be interested into opening a new company. Uh, so I decided to do a little more digging into the, uh, what type of company is it? Um, he was running the business back in Europe in, uh, Romania for some time and he showed me the product and explain me what are the opportunities and all that and um i you know i started to to get more interested into it so um uh, meanwhile working still in telecom i uh, decided to attend uh, to do my mba and uh, during the second year um, i had the entrepreneurship class which uh, kind of like was the trigger into all of this um, I decided to make a big change in my career and um, talking with my, uh, my business partner, the chemist, um, and doing all the calculations, I've told him that the best way to sell or launch his product here in the United States would be to manufacture it here. Otherwise, it would maybe, wouldn't make sense. So uh, that's how it all started. We created a company and... Um, I am manufacturing the product here and uh, he's taking care of a similar business back in Europe. Nice. Um, yes. Um, awesome. So it was, well, uh, tell, 
Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds great. You know, a, a great co-founder story, especially if it's someone that you already knew and trusted. Um, and so I think that that that's always to me, the best stories, you know, the founders that, that knew each other before they started, it makes it for a, a great business story. But so fast forward to the product itself, you mentioned he's a chemist. So tell us about the product itself. Who is the end user? So the product itself, it's, um, uh, I wouldn't say it's unique, but it's kind of very unique on the American market because the, there's not a lot of competition in regards to this type of product. Uh, it's a touchless detergent, um, specifically used uh, in the automotive um, industry, agricultural industry, um, commercial businesses, detailing businesses, and even uh, on boats. Uh, it's a detergent that can be applied uh, pretty much in two different methods, either with the foam cannon or pump sprayer. You let it sit for about one to two minutes and then use a pressure washer to rinse it off. And that's all. There's no brushing inquired. Uh, it's completely safe on most surfaces and uh, it's very, very effective. Um, so far, uh, I have to say I've been blessed to get all the positive feedback and, uh, um, and it's been great. Right. And, and I've been there to the, uh, to your facility in uh, West Palm beach. And it's, it's such a great operation to see you setting everything up in the warehouse. It reminds me of, I know I told you this before, it reminds me of my mom's business. Uh, you know, she started in the nineties. Um, a textile business. And, you know, we went from mm -hmm. a 2000 square foot warehouse to a 10,000 and it just kept growing and just seeing all the different, you know, materials that came in and, you know, bringing in forklifts and the racks got bigger and higher. And I could see that with the machinery and, and everything that you've got going there. I could see that it's going that, that route. Talk to me about the customer itself, because I think I'm, you know, what, what impressed me about your product. Sure. I used it. I gave it to some family members. They used it and everyone was like, wowed. And typically when you have a product that is um, it, like you said, it's not unique because it's a it's a it's a car wash product. So it is sort of ubiquitous in that way that you can wash any surface of any vehicle. So it's not like a niche product. But what was unique about it is how well it worked. And, and then the more I dug into it, Ian, you found out that whether it was on Amazon or just uh, on Google and on, online, the feedback that people had and, and just telling, you know, they, they're telling the world how great your product is and how it works. And, and that's rare, I have to say, right? Like it's one thing to get 50 or 100 reviews, but for a business like yours, who, who, who you started two years ago, and you already have hundreds and hundreds of really great reviews and people who are buying again and again. So you're increasing that retention, lifetime value. You have the raving fans. Like I've, I mean, I've, I've seen people put their videos on YouTube of, uh, of your product without you even asking them. And that's so incredible. So talk to us about the customer. Like how, how has that you, you were in the telecom industry. So big corporation where, you know, customer service is sort of an afterthought. Everybody touts customer service, but I have I have to imagine that you you have noticed a big difference between what customer service means to you now and what it did before in a corporate setting. 
Absolutely, Alex. Um, you know, customer service is uh, is one of actually my backgrounds um, in the telecom industry. When I started, I started in telecom with being a customer service representative back in Romania, working for Orange. Um, but the entire idea is 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 that um, uh, when we launched the product, we definitely well, we initially um, decided to to hit both markets, uh, B2B and B2C. And uh, my business partner initially wanted to put more accent on the, obviously on the B2B because, you know, that's volume. Where they, yeah, volume and all that stuff. But I, uh, I, I, I took a different approach and I said to him, listen, uh, if you want to be successful, especially launching a brand that nobody knows, mm-hmm. um, it's in, it's very important to start with the B2C market. And uh sure. And, uh, and create the, you know, the, the feedback, the database of the clients providing feedback and all that. And uh, that's what actually helped us to grow tremendously. So we've, we've launched the, the, the Amazon marketplace, uh, our website. Uh, we launched multiple campaigns on Instagram and Facebook, uh, which, um, which I would say was the biggest trigger into helping grow very, very fast and Mm -hmm. getting the feedback from the clients and helping us to become better and improve our products as well. And and overall, you know, expand. Um, And that's, you know, step by step, that's when people started to find out. And uh, it was just amazing how many B2B clients I've reached, I've got down the road by just randomly watching a video on Instagram or Facebook. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we 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 hit both segments and um, and slowly step by step, you know, things started to grow um, and grow and and still growing, and um, we've been blessed so far. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So so okay. So let's do a checklist here. You you created a great product that is better than the competitors, and you've got great price point. You've yep. got the customer service, the the everything tight feedback is great. Obviously your marketing is, is working itself because a lot of those users are helping you get new referrals. So you've got your marketing taken care of. Sales is good. Um, when you start to look at the B2B market side, because that, that, that is more volume based and, and you start to think about everything that's going on with the economy right now, you know, everything the the, the big I you know, word, the inflation, that's all people want to talk about. Supply chain has mm-hmm. caused this inflation, yada, yada. And you can argue with the economist, whether that's the, the right or not. But I, I have to imagine manufacturing a product because you need multiple supplies, ingredients that are coming from overseas. I have to imagine that that has disrupted the business during COVID at some point. Well, um, kind of did, but not so much. Um, because of the nature of our product, I would say, uh, we are in the cleaning business. So when COVID hit, initially, I was actually just starting up my company and I was uh, very, not skeptical, but I was afraid that, you know, I'm going to tank because of the situation that was caused. But um, believe it or not, I would say it, it was the other ways. Uh, we we started to grow and sales started to go higher and higher during the, the pandemic. Um, the issue with the, uh, well, let's say, with the supply chain definitely had an impact on uh, costs. 
Mm -hmm. um, yes, it, we did have some, have some delays on equipment delivery. We did have some issues with some supplies uh, of the, um, the chemicals that we're, uh, we're importing. Um, we are using, I would say, half of our products are imported from Germany um, just because we use top quality products in order to obtain, you know, the best, mm -hmm. the best product out there. So we're very, very selective as far as the quality of our, uh, our chemicals into the for that are mixed into the formulation. Um, but um, despite of that, um, more or less, uh, everything went okay. Um, we had some issues. It was actually the biggest issue that we had in our industries is finding good, good um, uh, partners that can help us to create like a great bottle that's leak proof. Uh, we couldn't find right manufacturers here that will provide us, you know, good quality product um, at the right price. Mm -hmm. So we had to outsource in different areas. Uh, but um, other than that, I mean, um, everything was okay. And um, despite a pandemic, um, business started to grow. And one of the I would say biggest factors, I would say that um, kind of like made a very good point with our product is um, our products are by default disinfect any type of surface. I didn't put an accent on it because I didn't, I, I hate selling, I would say on the fear factor. That's sure the worst thing you can do, you know? Um, but when you mentioned to somebody that despite the fact that the product actually works, it truly does you can get the best benefits out of it. And the greatest success that I would say that our product help our other businesses, specifically in the B2B industry, is the fact that by using our product, they manage to um, cut labor in half, timing in half. Um, uh, even the budget was cut in half because they, they stopped buying some multiple products that were fairly effective in their business and they replaced all of them with just one product that you can mix it in different ratio you can get not the same but even better results so for a lot of businesses this that our product was definitely a game changer and um, that's that's the best part out of it well yeah and i think the from from where i sit you know and having watched you over the past year growing the business it, it seems to me and and even recently like you were talking about with the bottles and the labeling it seems to me that you are you understand the importance of this this iteration of the product so continuously improving whether it's the cap the bottle the label the the ingredients like constantly and again you're a business that started off two years ago um right at the beginning of the pandemic which is listen, probably for most people, it, you know, there was a lot of businesses that started then. Most of those aren't around anymore. If you just read the statistics from the, the, the SBA, right. Mm -hmm. And, it, and, right. and, and typically, and I talked about this before you in a, you know, on this podcast with, with experts in the industry and business consulting, most businesses actually don't fail for a lack of finance. The number one reason businesses fail, according to the SBA, more than 50% of the ones who fail, fail because of a lack of a, a market fit. You know, so 
there just isn't a market fit. So even if you create a great product, if there's no great market for it and you're just like, no, but my product is great. It's going to sell. I've got a great marketing plan. I've got the financing. It doesn't matter if it doesn't have a market fit. So when I think about wash gyms and, and what it's doing, it's interesting because during the pandemic with many clients, I thought, well, here we're going into this unique situation where the economy has tanked. If I go back to March of 2020, I honestly thought that a lot of the, the clients I had um, in, in my marketing agency who were, who were selling, whether it was B2B or B2C, selling products that were wants versus needs, I thought that those products and those companies were going to suffer the most. But I was wrong. I was wrong because it, it actually it was a combination. People were stuck inside. So in your case, people have, you know, cars, trucks, boats, whatnot, and they're stuck inside and they needed something to entertain themselves with. So, you know, why they, while they need food and they need masks and they need the certain things to get through the days during a pandemic, it, it also turned out that people weren't going out and spending money and in the economy, whether it's traveling or whatnot. So, they were going on Amazon or Google or Facebook and saying, you know what? I'm going to buy some products that are more wants. And to me, that that in itself has been a, a, a you know, um, an interesting trend that I think even most economists at the time said, you know, the only companies that will survive are the companies that are selling a needs based product and, and yours isn't. So I think it's amazing and I think it's going to continue to be that. And if anything, it might have been the best time for you to to have launched the business, right? Yeah, I, I would agree. And as far as the needs, you know, um, my product kind of like hits the niche of being in the cleaning industry as far as people will always maintain their vehicles clean. Yes. Or, um, and, and it's something that definitely had a big impact. And as you mentioned, all those people staying at home. Uh, that definitely had a big impact of, of uh, doing the research, finding the, the best products out there that would help and simplify their process of cleaning their, um, their, their toys, you know? Um, and uh, I agree with you, man, this, this definitely had, had a big impact on that. But uh, as far as uh, being in the, in the right place at the right <laughs> time, uh, yeah. uh, we definitely had, had, Good luck with that, I would say. Yeah, yeah but but I also think that you're right about the time and place. But I I know from 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 when I was at my time lecturing at FAU with the MBA program that you you also and this is so important for the the first stage entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast to understand, and even the business owners who are you know 20, 30, 40 years in the business, the economy is changing. The world is changing. It's digital right now. We're a lot of people are talking about Web3 and the metaverse and the next like the, like where is this going, this economy? And the thing is that for the business owners, entrepreneurs who are not willing to take time out, invest time and money, invest time and money in their education, you're going to be left behind. I'd like to touch on that with you, Ian. The fact that before all launching this business, you you decided that you were going to invest a lot of time and a lot of money into taking your education to the next level with the MBA program. And I know from having worked with FAU and Dr. Root, who was the class I lectured in, she, I mean, 
all the tools that they were giving you there, I know it took me, you know, 20 years to learn on, on my own the hard way. And so the fact that you took the time and money to invest into your education, how pivotal do you think that was for you? As I mentioned, this was, uh, I would say, the, the trigger. Uh, I always wanted to run my own business for a long period of time, but I've never had the, let's say, the, I would say great, the, the best time and the support that, uh, you know, would push me to, to, to take that step. Um, and um, believe me or not, but I had a very amazing career in the telecom industry. Uh, my last job was with AT&T. I was selling, I was a national account executive uh, in the fiber division. I was selling fiber nationwide for like the largest companies. So I had a very good salary, amazing benefits and all that. But despite of that, and, and I had two babies at the same time. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, so- so yeah, you decided, said, oh, my God, Ian, you are crazy. You're crazy that you're making this change. Yeah. Because uh, to launch a business, uh, it does take time until people find out about you and, uh, you know, start, let the brand grow. And, and especially it's, it's a risk uh, involved because you don't know how people are going to react to your product. Sure. And um, it was definitely, a, you know, a, I would say very high risk, um, but in the end, you know, hey, I'm drinking the champagne, you know. <laughs> well, um, I mean, it, it's brave of you. Of course, like you said, you start with, with kids. I often hear this from entrepreneurs, you know, especially the young ones. Oh, I got to I got to I'm not going to go work for a corporation for 15 years. Let's say like, Ian, I'm going to start my business now. I'm 21 years old, graduating because I got to do it before I have kids. And then I say, well, look, there's never going to be the perfect time. Exactly. But the thing is that when opportunity knocks, as it did on your door with your friend, the chemist, and, and despite the fact that you'd be leaving a big salary, a prestigious position behind, uh, now you're facing, uh, you know, the, the possibility that if this business doesn't work out, I got to turn to my wife and kids and say, Hey, daddy screwed up, man. Now I've, I got to go back and work corporate again, which would be okay. Um, but that didn't happen. And that typically doesn't happen. I mean, I think that you did your homework, obviously you, you knew that you were equipped with the, the, everything that you learned in the MBA program, you, you had enough um, experience in corporate America, working with big brands and, and doing all of that. So I, I think that, you know, for young people, when they go into it, right, unless they have something that is so unique and it typically is SaaS or software, you know, right. these days. Um, you know, if you had started this company when you were 21 years old, it'd probably be a lot different, you know, than even if you didn't have kids. Uh, and, and going back to it, the, the school itself, might the MBA program and FAU definitely had a big impact. Um, it definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things and, and helped me to kind of like organize the steps that I needed to take in order to make the business successful. And um, besides FAU, I mean, the support from my, my wife uh, was definitely um, on, on, on spot because if, if she didn't support me, especially, you know, with two babies at home, yeah. um, that would, would have been very difficult, but she, sure. she, she definitely made it happen and, and gave me the full support and said, uh, baby, if you're not going to do it now, you're never going to do it. And she, That's... she definitely had 
you know, a, a good point on that. That's um, awesome. Yeah, but um, um, all the all the um, the classes that we had at FAU and uh, the entrepreneurship class and uh, the marketing and the finance classes uh, definitely had a big impact as far as uh, organizing and, and planning the right steps of how to build a business and how to put it on, on its feet, you know? Um, so definitely so talk- in, investing in, in, in the education uh, it's, it has, it, it did have a major impact and how fast I was able to build the manufacturing plant uh, from ground and uh, and you know grow the grow the brand thousand percent. We went over two thousand percent. Wow! Um, so um, yeah, everything everything thankfully was was on the right track. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think you know you and I have talked about this, Ian, as well. You know, as far as bringing in seed investors. Um, it's a consideration. You obviously have a great product that is growing, you know, the, the, your market share is growing fast. So it's big opportunities, but you and I have talked about that too, is that if, if we, if you bring in, um, you know, venture capitalists or, or, or if you take on other angels that you're going to give up quite a bit of equity. And at this point, you don't need to do that because the business is funding itself because, you're selling so much of the product. People are happy. They're coming back that the only thing you have to really sort of pull back on is the acceleration of the growth, but you'll continue to grow and you just have to, you, you probably will grow stronger. The, the route that you're taking versus saying, let me go take $5 million of funding, give up 30, 40% of equity, right? Uh-huh. And then, and then I could just blow up and I, I could, you know, grow from a million dollars in sales to 10 million overnight, but what's that really going to do for you? Right. Right. On the long, long run. So I say this because often, and in the past I have sold a couple of different businesses, but it, I sold it at the time that I felt I was comfortable to let go of that equity. I wasn't emotionally sort of attached to it and, and it had grown enough. Right. And so I say this because I know a lot of people listening to the podcast who, who have a mature business, um, a business that is growing. Sometimes, you know, they, they want to sell and, and, and that's great, but you have to consider that if you're going to sell and stay in the business, it's a lot different than selling and then saying goodbye. Right. And for you at this point, I know we've talked about this before, you're going to stay in this business and you're going to continue to grow with it. So I, you know, it. so when you think about the funding piece of it and bringing on other people who are interested in investing, how do you think about that? Uh, um, you definitely had a great point as far as uh, um, as far as I'm at the stage right now that um, I have the option to actually sell the business. I've been approached already multiple times, but by multiple companies offering me to to sell the, the business itself. But the decision is definitely staying the business because this is um, the type of industry and the product that I have uh, that can provide income for a long, long period of time. Um, and the, the benefit of that is the exclusivity of the formulation that uh, makes my product so unique. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, as far as growing uh, and bringing capital 
um, into the into the business. I definitely have two options: either to grow slow and uh, and use the um, the funding options that I would qualify probably in twenty twenty two. That would be the best because you you do have to have at least two years in business in order to start or being being even having the option to get some uh, some capital um, uh, investments. Um, but I do, I do keep my doors open as far as uh, um, bringing somebody on board that would invest um, a certain amount of capital. Um, the only key difference that the person that I would like to get on board, uh, not just coming with money, um, uh, most, most I would say investors can do that, but uh, I would rather keep my doors open to somebody that can that can help me grow fast because the 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 keys advantages of my company is that I don't have just a single product I have multiple products on the line to be developed I actually my chemist and I we already have them developed it's just we don't have the manpower as of right now and the capability of launching those uh, products on the market. So uh, I am definitely keeping my doors open for somebody that can help me grow, um, help with the manufacturing portion, portion and, uh, and expand uh, selling the products pretty much, you know, in every, every possible way. Um, so um, am I looking for an investor? Um, why not? Um, you know, money talks and then discussion, <laughs> and discussions are very open. Um, I'm, I, I look very realistically of, of what's going on right now. And uh, I know for a fact, I can't do everything by myself. Um, having a team on board um, definitely makes a big impact uh, as far as right. uh, the growth rate of your business. And um, this is why I am keeping my doors open for that. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. No. And I, as I, you know, in our conversations um, offline, obviously we we've discussed um, sort of how you've grown, where you're going and what I, what I have seen, which I think is super important for entrepreneurs listening here is just uh, the level of consideration and re you're both realistic, but also very strategic. So I've, I've noticed that about how you run your business. And I think it's a great thing because you, you don't just make decisions in a vacuum like, oh, okay, great. This came across my desk. Let's go. You know, it's one thing to take risks, but it's another thing to really analyze it. And, and almost like playing chess, right? You're trying to think five, 10, 20 steps ahead of the game to make sure that, uh, you know, um, you can, you can have the best chance at winning. So to that end, I think it's, it's something that we can all as entrepreneurs learn to make sure you don't make those quick decisions without understanding what the impact and the overall business for you, your employees, your family, and your customers are. Mm -hmm. So look, it's, it's been a great uh, um, interview here with you, Ian, and I'm looking forward to seeing your continued growth. I know we're working together in some capacities and, and I'm definitely looking forward to, to seeing what, uh, what you and Wash Kims is going to do. So thank you so much for being a guest here today. Thanks for having me.